Blog Talk Radio. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. is January Jones. She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware. Because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Hello and welcome. I'm January Jones, and this is my co-host. Her name is Ginger Ale, and she is our six-month-old puppy. And she may be back at the end of the show. We'll just see how she does. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. Now to my listeners, let me ask you a question. Have you ever met a real live humorist? Tell me, have you you ever met a neural humorist? Mm -hmm. Now let's all ask, what is a neural humorist? Well, we're gonna find out today all about it. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. She is an international speaker, successful author, neurohumorist. She is a pioneer in the field of applied humor, starting with her master's thesis in graduate school and now continues her partnerships with leading neuroscientists. Today, she helps leaders and those they serve achieve peak performance and optimum health to the art and science of applied humor. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show today my dear friend, Karen Buxman. Hi, Karen. How are you doing, dear? You know, I, I was thinking while you were talking that this sounds like such a great setup. A winologist and a neurohumorist walk into a bar, right? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and then what happens? <laughs> right. Well, we haven't got to the punchline. People have to stay tuned till the very end to okay. find out. I'll come up with my punchline and you come up with your punchline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now for my listeners, it's time to sit back and relax, get some wine and cheese, and join us in the no wine zone. Karen, let me ask you, first of all, a question I've been asking everyone on this new podcast. How did the pandemic impact your career, 
And how did it impact your personal life? Could you share that with us? You bet. Um, you know, like so many, this just came out of left field. And mm-hmm. I make my living on stage. My audiences can be fewer than 10 people or greater than 10,000, but on average, you know, around 500 folks. And those went away very quickly. Yeah. So that was an opportunity to get to walk the talk. You know, does this humor stuff, does this really help? Because, I mean, it was incredibly stressful to just watch dollars evaporate off our calendars. Right. But very quickly, I realized this was also an opportunity to take advantage of some learning opportunities. And for me, that was uh, a real epiphany. I've, I've studied humor in the brain. That's what a neurohumorist is, is when you, when you cross somebody from the neurosciences and health with humor and you live at the intersection there of all those wonderful, wonderful benefits. And so, you know, as, as just getting into this, this is, I lost my train of thought here. I got so excited of what we were talking about. <laughs> Pandemic and how it affected us. Oh, yes. And so it was the opportunity to um, do more um, learning about the brain. And I, I took um, almost a year-long course on neuroleadership. And that really that deep dive enabled me to really have some very valuable insights for people who are listening today. And I think one of the most um, important insights that I've had is that people think that the purpose of humor is entertainment. And that's really, that's very true. But I've also identified two other purposes. And one of those is well-being. How can we be healthier and happier and, and holistically? And the other is influence. And that is, you know, how do we persuade, motivate, inspire, educate people with humor? And those are not measured by laughter. If you're an entertainer, your success is measured by laughter. But if you are somebody who wants to experience better health or greater influence, that's not how we measure it. And so these were some incredible insights that I came upon that I wouldn't have had if it weren't for the pandemic. You know, we all became a whole lot better with technology. And in the beginning, (laughs) oh, my gosh, I just it was like, kill me now. You know, just (laughs) Uh, it was so miserable. But then we found we could meet, we could connect with people, you know, more at one time and further. And so, you know, there has been these occasional silver linings in all of this. Oh, I know. It's quite an adjustment for everyone. I was thinking about you earlier today. And uh, where did you go to take the course to find out what to do next? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What next? Um, you know, I, I started out in grad school in in Missouri, and that okay. you know that was the whole springboard for all of this. Yeah. But in terms of you know, I've created some interesting tools that I think also would be uh, helpful for some people to recognize because so many times when people hear, oh, I want to put more humor into my work life or my personal life or my professional life, and then they kind of get nervous about it because they're like, but what if I'm not funny? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, now, you know, and and it's not about the being funny. Again, we go back to influence well-being. It's about how can you see funny? How can you immerse yourself? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for, for people that I'm helping during the pandemic, a lot of this is, 
you know, how, because people are like, well, there's nothing funny about the pandemic, you know, and sadly, (laughs) but you, I I bet you could find some funny there. You know, and people did find some funny with the mm-hmm. the various memes, toilet paper memes, and, you know, all of that kind of crazy thing. But <laughs> it was so emotional that people were having this difficult time. And that's because there wasn't enough emotional distance. You know, by the time you and I get to be adults, our humor doesn't necessarily come from those same joy-filled moments that they did when we were kids. Mm-hmm. You know, little kids, they just laugh in the moment. They yes. just, they are in in bliss, in joy. And a lot of our humor by the time uh, we get to be adults comes from pain and discomfort. So the good news was during the pandemic, there was a lot of material because there was a <laughs> lot of pain. The downside was that if people don't have emotional distance from it, they weren't able to laugh about the situation. And I think that was, again, more insights that the that the pandemic brought, because mm-hmm. I found that humor could help people in four different ways to be more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was distract, reframe, relate, refuel. Okay. And okay, four different ways. You know, we're going to take a break right now. Hold that thought. And when we come back with Karen, we're going to hear all about the four different ways. <laughs> right now, you're going to hear about my book, Thou Shalt Not Wine, the 11th Commandment. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Wine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Wine at Amazon.com. Welcome back to the No Wine Zone with my guest, Karen Buxman. And she is definitely not a whiner because she is true. <laughs> she is a true winner. <laughs> okay, now let's talk about no whining allowed. Yeah, let's talk about the four things that uh, help people get through this pandemic and, and define yeah. that. You know, when when you are in a situation where you have absolutely zero control, mm-hmm. this yeah. is a great time for distraction. You know, people think, oh, well, distraction is putting your head in the ground. But sometimes if it's the only thing you can do to keep your sanity, that's okay. You know, if you're sitting in a doctor's office and there's nothing you can do to speed the doctor up, you can sit there and you can think about things that are driving you crazy or you can tap into some humor. And how does that change your entire chemistry? Some of these could be memories. Some of this could be, I mean, we live in a day now where there's nothing further from us than our phone in terms of humor. We've just, we've got access to distraction all over the place. 
So that's the first one. Um, the second one is reframing. And with reframing, when we can see things from a different perspective, we empower ourselves. You know, we are no longer the victim. We're the victor. Mm-hmm. And reframing in our brain is is a very, very successful technique to get yourself feeling empowered and engaged. The only challenge is that it takes more effort in your brain to reframe. That's a a higher cognitive effort. Uh The great news is that humor does that in a heartbeat. It's a hack because humor is already the taking of unlike ideas and putting them together. And so that in itself is a reframe. So how can we use humor to exaggerate the situation or downplay the situation and see things from a different perspective? Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to empower us. So distract, reframe, relate. One of the wonderful things about what humor is that in addition to lowering all the stress-producing hormones, Mm-hmm. And, and chemicals in our body, it creates this, this gate of very, very positive um, hormones, including oxytocin, which is known as the cuddle hormone. People oh. who share positive humor, this is one of the reasons why they feel more connected because of that expression of the hormone. And so uh, you can be sharing this humor with the people that you want to feel closer to, whether that's your family, whether that's friends, whether that's colleagues, whether it's your customers, because it takes down the resistance and it increases that feeling of trust and safety. And then the very last one is refuel, because especially during COVID and other kinds of issues, people, it's like they don't get a chance to catch their breath. You know, it's it's the pandemic, it's politics, it's global warming, it's murder hornets, and people never get a chance to catch their breath. And so we keep pulling from our reserves, and that leaves us on empty or worse. But the good news is that humor has been shown to help every single body system that is negatively affected by stress. And so if you intentionally and consistently tap into something that amuses you, Every day. It's not about you being funny. It's about you seeing funny, about you experiencing things, listening for things, seeking stories from other people. What's the most, what's the most embarrassing moment you've ever had that you could laugh about? You know, who was the funniest person in your family? Pull these kinds of experiences from other people and you're going to get benefits in all four of those areas. Yeah, well, what you're basically saying is such a powerful message, and you're basically saying that humor is a shortcut to health and well-being, both mentally and physically, which is an incredibly amazing, powerful message. Speaking of message, Karen, would you share with my listeners your contact information and how they can follow you? And that information will be on the chat line below the screen for anyone who wants to write it down. Excellent. I'm wildly identifiable. (laughs) Uh, I'm Karen with a Y. And I tell people I'm a good Karen. I'm not the kind that throws people under the bus. So, you know, Karen Buxman, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you go to stressrecoverytoolkit.com, um, there are a number of um, things that are my go-tos for stress, funny videos and some articles and the TED Talk and other things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that will also uh, allow us to stay in touch if if you go there. So stressrecoverytoolkit.com, LinkedIn, KarenBuxman.com, um, wherever two or more should gather in the name of humor, I want to be there. <laughs> Well, I personally use KarenBuxman.com whenever I want to check up and see what you've been up to. Uh, speaking of being up to, now, did you, I know you're an incredibly popular keynote speaker. So during this pandemic, did you uh, resort to Zoom or how did you connect with your audience? What was your means? Yeah. And methods? You know, that was a learning curve. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> because it's especially with humor. And I, I'm not a, an entertainer full time. I have been asked to do entertainment. But for those of us, and you know this, because you're so funny as well, that we feed off of laughter, we are mirror neurons, we're looking for the smiles, and we're looking for the and listening for the laughter. And we didn't get a lot of that, you know, <laughs> when, when we were learning the system, we didn't get to see people or we didn't know how to engage them. And you know, over time, we became much better at it in mm -hmm. terms of, of, you know, now I'm my own AV team and I can, do, you know, jump, in, in, I guess, a, a green screen and a single bound. But, <laughs> but I have found that, you know, nothing's ever going to replace face-to-face. Yeah. -face. You know, that was one thing that I used to wonder, oh, I wonder if this will totally go away. But I think this showed us that yeah. while, you know, virtual was a great substitute for a while, it's never going to replace long term. Yeah, that's so true. And, of course, this is so wonderful to be able to see you because I haven't seen you for quite a few years. And this is one positive thing that has come from the pandemic. And it's been yes. a wonderful thing for families, keeping everyone together and doing family uh, threads and everything on Zoom and whatnot. Uh, out of curiosity, did you ever do stand-up? You know, I did it a couple of times and I decided in a heartbeat that I would rather speak to sober, non-smoking <laughs> audiences. And the pay was so much better. It was like, oh my. You know, I you can you can your humor can be a lot darker and bluer, but but give me a daytime audience. Okay. Non-smoking and sober any day. I'm with you. I'm with you. I did it one time. And what a terrifying experience. Of course, now, you do keynote speeches. So every keynote speech, in my opinion, is a combination of humor and information. And uh, let's talk a little bit about one of your keynote speeches where you talk uh -huh. about lead with levity. And yeah. I, I know this is something you've talked about many times. I just have come to appreciate what wonderful um, material, support material, humor is for leaders. I, you know, my background was healthcare, and I hadn't really thought about it in that sense. But the more and more I studied it, the more I realized how powerful it was. And as I mentioned, not just for physical health and emotional health, which are very important facts. In, you know, mm -hmm. for leaders. However, um, you know, one of the three traits that people look for, whether they're looking for a lover or a leader, is <laughs> sense of humor. And I recognize that our ability to tap into humor for influence 
is incredible. And a lot of people, they, they kind of rest on their laurels or there's certain people that were, they just got a, they've got a knack for it and that's mm -hmm. great. And then other people are like, no, I, I, I can't do that. Yeah. But <laughs> everybody can develop their sense of humor enough that they could be funny if they want to. Mm -hmm. Not everybody wants to be funny, but leaders who can come across as having a sense of humor will be rated higher by far than leaders who are not rated as having a sense of humor. The person never did have to tell a joke or be funny, but to be able to learn how to leverage other people's humor is something that can really keep your employees engaged, something that can really draw in your customers, can really boost sales. Mm -hmm. um, people who is it's, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer said, um, get your get your customer to laugh. Laughter <laughs> is tacit approval. You know, yeah. this is how we connect. And so uh, this is something that I think leaders have kind of done by accident for many years, great leaders. But now what I want them to do is to do it by choice and not by chance. Yeah. I think that's going to make the biggest difference for leaders. Right. We're going to take a break and hear about who killed Kennedy. And when we come back, Karen's going to elaborate more on how funny means money. Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before, but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack, The Tragic Love Triangle, connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Ari was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world, with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Ari needed class, and Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and Audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones. Welcome back with my friend and dear, dear guest, Karen Buxman. Karen, let's elaborate a little more. You were talking before we took the break about funny means money and using humor it can be a very serious business strategy and that's one of your keynote speeches isn't it yes yes again i think that people have not really come until recently to appreciate just how powerful humor can be and in terms of business we are now starting to see a bit of a shift you know for many years we had the research to back us on the benefits physiologically and psychologically, but we've, we've been in process in terms of how do you measure success and humor in the workplace? Yeah. You know, it, it, and it really depends on yeah. what kind of work you're doing. You know, somebody who is a salesperson would measure that very 
differently than maybe somebody who is a teacher or um, a speaker or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And so um, to to think about these kinds of things and to be very intentional with your humor, but we do know that uh, one of the things that's a very helpful benefit with is that um, in terms of your client or customer, people want to buy from people they know, like, and trust. Sense of humor really increases that likability. Mm-hmm. And study after study after study shows that all things being equal, people would rather buy from someone who demonstrates a sense of humor or who demonstrates a sense of fun. And you can still convey a very serious message, but but it's such a powerful tool. Yeah, and you know, another place where humor, I think, is a, an incredible asset in these, especially in these trying, difficult times, is in the political landscape. If you find a politician with the light touch, as, you know, JFK did so well, that yeah, humor yeah. that humor really is a, a bridge to people and makes people feel comfortable and at home. Yes. Great politicians know how to use humor effectively. And we know that humor can be used as a tool or it can be used as a weapon. And I think good leaders use humor as outreach. I think they use humor to strengthen bonds, to lift other people up. I think that some leaders use humor to put down other people. It's the name calling. It's the teasing. It's the aggressive Mm -hmm. styles of humor. And those might work in the short term. But studies show that those who use, you know, positive, uplifting humor in the long term have much more effective um, businesses, leadership, sales, et cetera. One of your keynote speeches, uh, personal development, I know you think you understood what you thought I said, (laughs) is communication. Talk a little bit about that breakout workshop that you usually uh, speak about in some of your female speakers. Yes. Well, it, it's humor is such a powerful communication tool, and it's it's one that can often um, get misused. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of humor comes out of the fact that very often we do have mis- misunderstandings with other people. But to develop your listening skills um, is great for humor and for everything that you do in terms of whether you're a coach, whether you're a leader, whether you're a salesperson, it's that listening. And in humor, it's listening for those gems, listening for that material. And it's, it's really rewiring your brain to do so. Um, If you assume that you're never going to find anything funny, and I hear that from people, you don't understand. There's nothing funny happening in my life. Uh Your belief creates your reality you're never going to see humor if that's your assumption. But yeah. if you start listening for things and then you start watching for things, um, I was, I was in a, a, in a department store the other day. And as I'm walking by the um, room where somebody was changing clothes, I heard her shout, you know, good Lord, that mammogram <laughs> fit her like a, no, that dress was so tight. It fit her like a mammogram. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm just laughing hysterically. Nobody else seemed to notice or or hear that kind of funny thing going on. But with our communication, if we 
become better listeners. And then a lot of what other people are saying around us all the time is just funny stuff. This is why I encourage people to seek humor from others. If you're if you're communicating and you want that conversation to keep going, ask more questions. And people who are you're asking them humorous questions, that can be even better because again, you're lowering the resistance, you're yeah. strengthening that relationship, and um, both parties feel so much better. Oh, terrific! Yeah, and and I think that uh, humor. You know, I know you do keynote speeches, and I'm sure most of them are business orientated people. But these are some really great tips for people who are struggling in their personal relationships or maybe in their marriages. So, I mean, technically, you could call yourself a marriage counselor, in my opinion. (laughs) You know, these are very helpful tips in in relationships and my husband is an expert on relationships <laughs> is you know writes he was the author of a thousand and one ways to be romantic and we <laughs> often explore that relationship between humor and romance and humor and romance and they go hand in hand because you know both of them are better when you're listening more and both of them are better when you can share it with yes. another person mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty you know, fun to go that route. I'm I'm gonna plug that book too because we got it and we read it, <laughs> and it's on a, in our library. And and I highly recommend it. Uh, give that plug again for that book, dear. <laughs> oh, a thousand and one ways to be romantic. Yes, by Greg Godak. It's like he it it's it's. Uh, it's it's really it's a very good book in terms of romance, but we use so much humor in our relationship, and that is such a strong part of communication. And mm-hmm. so, for people who are trying to build relationships with other people, to seek those kinds of stories, build on those kinds of stories, to build that kind of rapport, and um, and then just listen for the absurdity in life. <laughs> and you know that's a great book that I recommend to give to any uh, young couple that you know that are getting engaged, or getting married, or getting even serious about each other. Nowadays, so many people don't bother with the marriage part, but <laughs> they go forward with their relationships. And his book would, right. would help any relationship. <laughs> Right now, it's time to hear about some amazing, amazing people who have been on my show through the years, and uh, that means you, Karen. Our next spot is about some priceless personalities who have been guests on the show. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems? People who have struggled to find solutions? People who fearlessly shared their stories. People who have not only informed you, but inspired you. People who have priceless personalities. I have been fortunate to host an internet radio talk show called January Jones Sharing Success Stories. And it has been my privilege to interview hundreds of guests. My guests have shared their stories, their struggles, their secrets, and their successes in their own words. In this book, we're talking about people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, runaway kids, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, 
scandal and starting over. Then there are my guests dealing with difficult physical struggles such as blindness, cancer, and birth defects that are beyond traumatic. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They have amazed, amused, and even astonished me. I have adored getting to meet them, and I adore sharing them with you. Attention all listeners, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, Volume 2 is now available at Amazon.com in paperback and Kindle editions. You'll be able to meet 10 amazing people who will be sharing their own personal stories with all their struggles, successes, and solutions sprinkled with lots of humor and hope. Priceless Personalities features a teenager who becomes one of the famous Supremes from Motown, a nurse who has a humorist helps people to heal, an inspiring laughter yoga instructor, a mother dealing with the loss of a child, an incredible motivational speaker, a woman who married five times, a gifted paranormal nurse, a wise economist, a funny female humorist, along with an older man sharing his sweet childhood in the deep south. January's guests are all amazing and amusing. You will never forget meeting them. Go to Amazon.com for your own priceless experience. And I want to share with everyone that Karen is a past president of AATH, Association Applied Therapeutic Humor, which is where I met her. And we'll give that a wonderful organization a little plug. Right, Karen? Yes, it is. It's a wonderful nonprofit and has been around for, um, I think, a little over 25 years now. And really helps ground people in the um, work in terms of therapeutic humor, applied humor, and uh, just amazing people, amazing people. Yeah, wonderful. Now, one of your keynote speeches, you uh, go into personal development, and you start off by saying, I've got one nerve left, and you're standing on it. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? (laughs) Yes. You know, one of the things that I came to appreciate with, particularly once the pandemic really set in, was that people's brains were on fire. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about it, they just, they were on overload. And some of them still are on overload. And it's it's even beyond I've got one nerve left now. People are just like, <laughs> I thought I was signing up for a sprint, and then I thought I was signing up for a marathon, and now I realize I've signed up for an Ironman. You know, it's just yeah. for many people, they're still not out of the thick of it. There's still a lot of healthcare workers who are feeling the sting and, and um, just the um, re- research shows right now that one in four nurses and healthcare professional rate themselves as highly anxious yeah. and highly stressed. And one in five right now is considering leaving their current job within the next year. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's no laughing matter, you know, but yeah. no joke. But at the same time, humor can help these folks. It's, it's a very, I think out of the box kind of way that we can help deal with stress. But if we don't, we're going to lose a lot of great healthcare professionals as well as policemen, firemen, um, 
military, everybody who's had to be, you know, upfront, uh, teachers. I mean, it's a very chaotic world right now. And whether it is pandemics or politics or murder hornets or whatever it may be, people are just dealing with one thing on top of another on top of another. And they need to be able to provide what, like we talked about earlier, these little brain breaks, um, whether it's for a few seconds, whether it's for a few minutes, whether they can build up that time to be 20 or 30 minutes. But the effects of stress we know are are so much more um, serious than what we would have thought 20, 30 years ago. I mean, just, just the fact that stress raises cortisol, that bans the flames for diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's, you know, um, other mm-hmm. autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. And so this is something we have in at access to. And I get so excited. So let's come on, let's use it. Yes, yes. You're such an amazing advocate for nurses and for all healthcare workers. You know, before we go, I have to ask you one question that I ask all of my guests. And that all is right. if you could have dinner with someone who is uh yes dead or alive, besides me, who would that be? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I have actually thought about this question, and it kind of changes on a day-to-day basis. Okay. But um, I I think that if I would, I really, it sounds so cliche, but it's like, I'd like to have, I'd like to have lunch with Jesus. I'd love to hear <laughs> just what yeah. all his... What was happening back then, man? And I want to—I want to know. Give me the—give me the skinny. Yeah. Tell me what yeah. I want to know. Yeah, that would be a great expose. <laughs> and after yeah. you have lunch with him, we—we we could have a great book. <laughs> you know, because I think personally, I think Jesus had a great sense of humor. You know, it doesn't really matter what what religion you are, but yeah. the fact that he got invited to dinner so many times. Charles Schultz says that. You know, no. No, no person could have ever been invited to to someone's house that many times for dinner without really having a great sense of humor. So I do. I think I think he had a, a wonderful sense of humor. And there's a print, a wonderful print that a friend gifted me with. Um, this the Laughing Christ. Oh. And you know, a lot of times people don't associate humor with religion or with spirituality. But um, yeah, yeah. I'd also like to have have um, lunch with Kennedy because. And I just was so taken uh, with the book that you've written about that. I had no idea. Go girl. That's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I've had, oh, I've done so many interviews and, and shows, especially during the month of November. It seems like I always get calls from everyone to talk about yeah. it. And it's a topic that is very relevant and people are still trying to figure it out. And we've never really had, in my opinion, a definitive uh, explanation, which I kind of tried to do, give a little insight to it. Oh, gosh, this has been so much fun. Uh, I hope you will come back again and again. And it's been so wonderful to see you again, to see how vibrant you are and to see how well you've survived this pandemic experience. Good for you. Well, Kate. it's always such a pleasure to to hang out with you, and um, you inspire the rest of us with your continued work. And so, thanks for getting the message out there to oh. the world. And uh, my favorite phrase: "Back by popular demand." So we'll do this again. <laughs> 
Okay, we'll have you back. And thank you so much. And keep up the good work because you're what this world needs now. Right now, we need people who can have humor and can put positivity back into our day-to-day existence. To my dear listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our time today with Karen. She's a wonderful guest, and we'll have her back again. My upcoming guests will all be electric, eclectic, and exciting, just like Karen. Next Tuesday live at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, I'll look forward to sharing another guest with you. Be sure to sign on to my website and go to Amazon and Audible to get my books. My 78-year-old thought for the day, instead of being 78 right now, I would like to be 18 again, and that way I could ruin my life in so many different ways. And so <laughs> I have so many ideas on how I would do it over again. <laughs> so now thank you for entering the No Wine Zone, and please share our stories and our successes with everyone you know. And remember, stop whining start smiling. And if that doesn't work, then you can start eating chocolate. Lots Mm. and lots of chocolate. Take care. (laughs) Take care, Karen and everyone else and stay safe until we meet again. And right now, ginger ale is going to come in and say goodbye to everyone. Hope you have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success Story. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.